in an unassuming building in the middle of Sherlington, an urban center of Virginia, through some equally nondescript doors, there is a jujitsu school. When you walk in, the place feels just like home, with a desk and computer in one corner and a couch on the other. I have never trained at Kogai on Academy, but I know its owner and founder, Professor Victor Chowkyu, from the small world that is jujitsu. One of his assistant coaches, Beatrice Jin, was featured on my podcast and is also one of my really good friends. Professor Victor is an accomplished martial arts competitor who has medaled in multiple national and international competitions in the past 30 years. He is also an experienced instructor with more than 20 years of teaching Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Judo, and Kwankido. He has an innovative style of teaching, attention to technical detail, and personalizing students' individual progress. As a doctor in physical therapy, he designs the curriculum to give particular consideration for students' safety during training. But that's not the real reason why I wanted to interview him. What interested me the most was his blog, Spiral Mentality Jiu-Jitsu, in which he discusses jiu-jitsu concepts and philosophy. I came across this blog around the time that I began to see jiu-jitsu more as a way of life, rather than simply a sport. For those of you who like to intellectualize jiu-jitsu, strap in and hold on tight, because there are a lot of interesting concepts that we are going to cover in this podcast. Everything from the ever-present principle of Kazushi to the essence of life itself, breathing. Throughout the interview, I'll be popping in and out with my commentary to expand your thinking on the concepts presented today. Welcome to the Mental Arts. Okay, hello listener. I almost didn't record this commentary, but I figured after listening to the clip, it's worth an introduction. So what's going to happen is Professor Victor is going to talk about the spiral mentality. He essentially makes two points. One is when you have a spiral mentality, you don't necessarily have a specific outcome that you're trying to achieve. However, you are always progressing, not necessarily forward, but in some direction. The second thing is that a spiral is endless. There's a lot of evolution and adaptation involved in it. It's not just going forward, back, left, right, but instead it's almost a combination of all, all of those forces together. I know it's going to be a lot, but try to listen carefully and try to see if you can pick up something that you can apply to your own life. Let's say a movement that is going from A to B in a straight line, okay? It's very obvious. Like if you pull me, if you pull me towards you, okay? It's very obvious, you know, I'm going forward, you know? Same way if I push you or you push me, you know, it's very it's straight line, you know, it's very obvious. But imagine if all, the, all these vectors, you know, turn into a little viral there and the way I push you or I pull you or I, you know? So that doesn't, it's not as obvious as going straight line. So it's very deceiving. Yeah, mm. so going in circle, you don't know, hey, which actually, uh, which position is, you know, where that other one moves, actually. If I go straight like this, yeah, I feel the pressure is going straight, no? But then if the other one moves this way, it already changes a lot, adds a lot to what you feel and what you think it is, but it's not. From here, I know it's like a constant push, there is a constant pressure back, no reaction back. And it's easy to understand, it's easy to comprehend, and it's obvious. But then going this way, you kind of, every time when you go circling, when you circle around, then all the forces are changed, all the vectors are changed, and you constantly have to want to adjust, to adapt to that motion. So that's why spiral is an asymmetric motion. It doesn't return to the same point. It starts on one point, but then ends up either higher or outside. So that's why uh, speaking about asymmetry, you know, asymmetry is very important. An asymmetric move is actually a spiral. If I move in a spiral, you try to to judge which position is here now, which position is here now, because I need to be one step ahead, beat him. So, but going in a spiral, it's hard for you to see how, where exactly will be his position at one point, so I can make a step forward to be not. It's a little bit more complex than just uh, straight forward, mm -hmm. right, left. Right.
whenever I think spiral, I usually think downward spiral. Okay. <laughs> for, for obvious reasons. And then I was like, oh, but there's probably an upward spiral. And then I was like, no. Yes. There's but no. There's. You see, you can go in any dimensions outside, but also you can go inside. Mathematically, mathematically, you can go to infinite inside spiraling. No, not yes. only like outside, not outside. You know, all the, you know, like you can go, because, okay, I go this way, but I go even deeper, deeper, deeper. That space is it's expanding there inside. And, you know, so when you zoom, for example, you have this spiral, it goes here to this point, no? Then you zoom out, okay? And you find that, oh, there's so much more space, you know, go more. And then you make it even more, you know? So, okay. Yeah. So, that, you know, that spiral can go in, inside. So it's the same way, you know, with, with meditation, with, you know, things that, uh, you know, you turn yourself inside you. And, and you know, it's the same way, you go deeper, deeper, deeper. How deep? To infinite. You can go so much deeper, actually. Now it depends on your discipline, what to do, what to do. Yeah. So that's right. the concept of spiraling is it's, it's very fascinating. Yeah. yeah. And this is coming from, from my country, too. We have, back home, it's called Kukuten culture. And if you look at the of the vases that they created, it's always inspiring. You know? They're like these designs, it's always inspiring, 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 inspiring. So that's kind of like, oh, you look like that in my culture, you look like that things. And this is not only from Kukuten culture only. You find spirals everywhere on any continent. You know, you find it in China, you find it in Japan, in South America, you find it in North America. I went a little bit on a trip, uh, and, you know, uh, in South, and I found, you know, the native Indians, you know, and they also had their, you know, spirals. So it's, it's something what? It's reality. It just, yeah. People just discovered the same thing. Spirals grow infinitely small the farther you follow them inward, but they also grow infinitely large the farther you follow them out. John Green, Turtles All the Way Down. I love this idea of spirals. I think it's the coolest thing ever. I like the emoji about it. Okay, I just a little bit, but I think the two things I get out of having a spiral mentality is one, the idea of non-detachment into this idea of abundance. For non-detachment, I think most of my life has been raised on, I need to get something. I have to have this. And then once I get it, I tell myself, I can't lose this. I need to hold on to this. I think once I turned 30, I realized this was a really exhausting way of life. Um, think about holding, I don't know, like 10, 20 items in your hand and then being in a hurricane and trying to hold on to those items. It doesn't quite work that way. So I had to reassess and think about, okay, what is it that's causing so much stress in my life? And I realized it was this need to hold on to things and to not let go. If you think about even something like your jujitsu practice, Sometimes it doesn't always make sense to hold on to something forever and ever. Say I have a grip on somebody's sleeve and they move at an angle such that now I can't generate force even though I have that grip. It doesn't make sense to hold on to it forever. I think this is another fancy way of saying letting go, but even letting go in the sense of not having a sense of grief or anger or sadness or happiness is just letting it go. Um, one great metaphor that I like to think of is the ginkgo tree in the fall, where in, in the course of dropping their leaves, unlike the other trees that drop gradually, all at once it decides, like, boom, all the leaves drop at once. And I think that's a really cool, unusual phenomenon, because it's the idea that you can go all in in terms of letting go. It might be overwhelming for some, I don't suggest it if you're working out certain mental issues, but the idea is like, there can be no limit to what you let go and also in what you receive back. It's this cool idea that I think goes very much against like Western capitalist society way of thinking of like getting more and more and more and keeping more and more and more and accumulating stuff. It's kind of just existing in the world without judgment and without need to adhere to a certain point of view. 
I guess with regards to the abundance mentality, this is something that once you notice, you start seeing everywhere. A spiral is infinite, right? So if I think of an abundance mindset, I can also imagine that it doesn't necessarily have boundaries. Now you may ask yourself, you know, if we were to get really cosmic about it, isn't the universe like, I don't know, like you can't create energy, it's just like remixed into various forms. I'm not an astrophysicist, so I will not speak to that. I will say that it does make sense to push beyond what you think is possible, maybe by five to 10%. I think that's a significant leap. That's not too big of a leap of faith. So to give you an example, let's say I'm about to, I don't know, learn a new guard. And I think to myself, well, I suck at this. Guess what? I'm going to suck at the guard. Now, if I think to myself, I may be learning this, but I'm going to try to retain my guard, you know, five more seconds longer than I did last time, then that's a little bit of progress. That's like an abundance mindset of thinking I can always improve little by little, bit by bit. You know, you can't reach beyond like 100%, you know, you can't try like 120%, but the idea of nudging yourself a little further and higher away from your baseline is something that I think most people understand is a much more attainable and logical goal. And if you want to go like towards the cosmic spiritual of like everything is infinite and the galaxy is a spiral and the universe is just waiting for us to accept its infinite power wisdom and love by all means go there like it's a fun place to be you feel really high on life you feel like you can do anything um the five to ten percent is really there for people who are just like I don't want to do the cosmic thing. I just want to do the practical thing. So think about it. Think about it in the sense of I can always nudge myself a little bit beyond where I think I am. If you have too much fuel in your mind and less practice, you pretend that you know what you are able to do, but actually are not. So I like to go the other way around, you know, practice more, practice more, practice more. Whatever fuel you discover there, have it, be down, because that's going to help you conceptually. Be there on the mat, practice, 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 tap, 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 fail, fail, fail. You cannot succeed if you don't fail. And you cannot succeed if you don't try, you know. For you to try multiple times, it means you may tap a lot of times, but that doesn't mean that you need to be discouraged. You just need to continue, 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 continue. At the beginning, I was I was like a smasher. You know, I was more like a judo guy, taking guys down, holding them down, or things. And then slightly, slightly, you know, other people started, started to sweep me, or sweep me, I was like, oh. and then I started, my, my game started to, uh, to evolve in different guards, learning guards. Well, when I started learning these guards, you know, I was smashed a lot of times. Why? Because, you know, you learn when one day you're a guard, doesn't mean that you're good at it. So if you don't have that mindset of, I need to continue, I need to continue, I need to continue, that will bring you success. Otherwise, no, you're going to go to the back old, you know, style that you had, uh, mm-hmm. and that is not, you know, it's not proper for you, especially for me because I'm a small guy. I just realized that the fight is not to get the end result. The fight is to get the other one out of balance. The fight is to get the other one in a position where the other one cannot do much. So I come with that being a small guy. Most of my colleagues yeah, where I train, they were big dudes. They were big dudes. And I was, you know, and I was struggling a lot. That type of environment made me look for something better. Something, you know, I was trying to trust to go from a a side-controlled one, or south, where I could have a little bit more control of the bigger guys, you know, where they could not come right over, they could not roll me over, where they cannot, you know. So I was always trying to find positions that would give me a little bit more advantage. You know, you just realize that the bigger struggle there is about getting positional advantage. Yeah, so this is, you know, the bigger struggle to get technique in getting leverage and yeah, leverage technicality. 
So this is what brought me to the point, yeah, everything else is easy. This is 90% of the fight is just getting things better. Focus on the journey on how and why, not only on the destination or end results. Spiral mentality jujitsu. I've thought a lot about this phrase since I've heard it from Professor Victor, and it's brought up a lot of memories for me. For a lot of my life, it has been about trying to obtain achievements. With each achievement, I hoped that I would discover parts of myself that I had not believed before. Perhaps I would feel less anxious, angry, or frustrated at myself. Perhaps I would find myself more accepting of my flaws, or better yet, eliminate them entirely. What I've learned in my years of working on myself is this. Part of being able to manage yourself is to understand yourself. In jujitsu, we are looking to get leverage over the opponent through proper positioning. The positioning itself necessitates that you have awareness of where you are in relation to them. And for my own sake, I've realized that positioning myself in a way that's favorable to me in the environment around me has been a game changer, both for my mental and physical health. I do not have to be such a passive recipient or victim of what happens around me. I can be someone who has agency over their actions. Sometimes to get unstuck in life, it's not about pushing harder or insisting that things be a certain way. Sometimes it is about realizing that you need to look at things from a different point of view from what you have been trying to do before. I've had many moments on the mats where I simply could not pass someone's guard or defend against a pass. And I've also had many moments, too, where seemingly like magic, every move works without effort. The difference lies in having that leverage technicality to do the hard work for you as you transition from one place to the next without having to struggle with no avail. So I like to see position through the prism of transition. Uh, nothing is static in this world. Everything is in motion. Even if, uh, you know, uh, that chair is static, we see this chair, but even the chair has a little bit of transformation by time on time, you know, everything. Inside of our body, the heart is, you know, you sit, you stand, you, you, you know, don't move, but actually the blood, heart, everything is moving inside, you know, so it's always a little. So there is this unicity in the world that happens at any second. That is maybe like a you know a starting point, but it's actually not. It's a position prepares the next position, and so on. So it's a, there is always a transition there. You have to be very fluid when you take a position. If you are static and you keep the other uh, that position just um, uh, as it is, no, it has the same parameters there. Uh, and just the other one, it does a little bit of a change. Then you are in danger. So you are in constant. You are in the same position, but you you realize where shall I be relaxed, where shall I be a bit more fluid, where shall I, you know. So that's why position is uh, important to look at the position from a learning perspective, but not from a, from a spine perspective or from not being uh, So basically, there is no position in one, there is only transitioning, okay, where the position is not in a better way. It's something that is moving. The position is not static. So a transition is made from different positions. In a position, there are time, time adjustments, transitions. So going back and forth from position to transition, you know, can easily things. But I would say because we have another concept here, where I say, for example, we have a position uh, turtle. Okay, everyone knows about turtle. Okay, well, well, we don't call it a position here. We say uh, you are, you should stay in turtle as little time as possible. You know, turtle for us is just a transition. You know, and, uh, so. But that's a little bit of an extreme point, but basically transitioning fluidity flow is very important, how you move and maintain your base and how, because you, you might have a good base, you know, in one position, but if that, there is a change in the other one, then you have to change, you know, your base. But even if you, you are kind of seen from outside in the same position, but it's not the same position, yeah. there is a little change. And I think this is good for the mindset, you know, to have this in the mindset. So in this way, you have to be more aware of what's happening outside or inside, what's 
So this will help you, you know, in understanding what's happening. What's... Whenever I get upset about something, it usually is because I think that there is no way life could be any different. Roke once wrote, let everything happen to you, beauty and terror, just keep going, no feeling is final. In an online poll I took of anonymous responses, many people have felt that when they get stuck in a bad position, they are stuck there for good. Some of them resign themselves to waiting until the clock runs out or simply allowing the opponent to submit them. I'm not making this up, people. There is a type of learned helplessness that I observe in these responses. Learned helplessness is a behavior exhibited by a subject after enduring repeated aversive stimuli beyond their control. If you really think about it, that is jujitsu, where someone is constantly trying to squish you, break your arms, or your legs off. Okay, I just a little bit, but here's the real deal. Over the past few decades, neuroscience has provided insight into learned helplessness and has shown that the original theory actually has it backwards. In fact, the brain's default state is to assume that control is not present. So it's actually the presence of helpfulness that it was what is actually learned. In humans, learned helplessness is related to the concept of self-efficacy, the individual's belief in their innate ability to achieve goals. When you think that you lack control over the situation, you might let everything happen to you. But that's the only one part of Rilke's quote. Instead, Rilke reminds you, keep going. This type of persistence is what has carried me out of a dark many days when I felt destroyed by what was facing me. Understanding that no feeling is final has allowed me to move through many temporary states of all kinds of emotion and thus live a richer life. Positional awareness. Positional awareness. So it refers not only to, to your position, but also to the opponent position. Right? And sometimes you may see from, for example, you see somebody spying, okay, in a tournament or even in other classes. You know, you see somebody, hey, that could just pull that armbar from that position, or could could pull a choke or something, but they didn't do. Why they didn't do? Because they're not aware of the position that they were they were there. They had something else in mind. They were you know trying pulling on something else, but not realizing that they are in a very advantageous position to pull a submission. Because as I said, for example, the leverage technicality, putting yourself in a position where you have the maximum leverage. Where to do that? You really need to have a lot of aware, awareness of where the other one is positioned, how the other one is positioned, left, right, leg forward, um, legs, whatever, in the same line, or, you know. So this will give you a lot of insight to to take the right decision. Being aware of your breathing, you know. If, you are, if you find yourself that you're breathing too hard and you're like, you know, then it's, oh, am I panicking? So that's why controlling your breathing, you know, the spine is very important, you know, staying calm. And, when your mind is calm, your breathing is calm too. Doesn't mean that your breathing should just be as like frequency-wise as you are just doing your walk. You can have like a nice rhythm, <laughs> you know. But being having in the same rhythm, the same you know, um, at the same cadence, you know, that will give you uh, more air and it keep you calm and it keep you in control. I have a, a quote on breathing that I wrote down. Uncomfortable positions translate to uncomfortable breathing. Once uncomfortable breathing becomes comfortable, one knows how to breathe. Yes. So think about, we always give up when uh, we cannot breathe properly. You are in an uncomfortable position. So uncomfortable position, it can translate into a position, let's say you are too stretched and your muscle starts hurting. So that's one aspect. Then that's, you know, a point where it's uncomfortable, I need to tap, you know, because my elbow is stretched all the way, you know, or my knee bar, you know, the knee is taking a knee bar, you know, things, or a toe hold is happening, you know, so that's an uncomfortable position, but that's too far. But let's say you are in a position, let's say, you're upside down, you know, you are in a reverse guard, you know. So when you start learning that, you know, initially it feels so uncomfortable, you know. Oh, the coach showed me this, but it's so uncomfortable here. No, it does, this doesn't work for me, you know, like, because you, you are in an uncomfortable position and that, you know, associates something uncomfortable, obviously. And also you feel uncomfortable because you cannot breathe there. Also. 
you know, let's say someone holds you in a position that you you start like, you know, you feel like you, you don't have enough air, don't have enough air because you are tense. Once you learn to be comfortable, you know, in uncomfortable positions, and also the same with the breathing. Yeah. When you breathe in you know, uncomfortable positions and you feel okay with your breathing, that's fine. Okay. So that's the point when you really learn to breathe. Because we all do, right? When we are in bad positions, the mind uh, runs all these scenarios. Oh, I'm going to be taken. Yeah, so my ego is going to be smashed. Oh, you know, whatever. Then, you know, you start breathing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, the same way as the mind, the breathing is to be under control. Card is very important. Depends on which level of spine you are, which level of tournament you are. Which, we cannot limit everything to a certain element, breathing only. Everything is so interconnected. Our systems and everything in our body influences each other. You know, as the body influences the mind, the mind influences the body. The mind of a beginner starts to run crazy and being panicked because the body is so stiff and you know, it's in a position that is uncomfortable, you know, things. So if this was an aspect where the body can influence the mind. Now, let's say you are uh, four years in training, you know, and then you're in a bad position, but you relax your body, you are doing nice framing there, and then you just breathe naturally. So, so, so it's, it's how the mind presses the body. So I'm fine. You don't need to panic. Well, it's nothing much that is going to happen here. Yeah, maybe I'm going to get choked or something. But still, you know, you don't need to. I need to stay calm and be clear and see what's happening. Because when you don't see, when you are stiff and you are in a rush, you know, and things, you don't see opportunities. You don't see solutions. You get into a, a point in your mind that you are acting instinctually. Once you are more calm and more, then you are able to see solutions. You are able to see mistakes of the other one that you can capitalize on. I like the point that awareness of where you are helps you seek out advantages that might not be otherwise apparent to you. Professor Victor puts this in the frame of mind with regards to going for a submission. You might not realize when something right in front of your face is an opportunity. Once you start thinking of the world in this way, of being profoundly observant and being able to find windows of opportunity, life almost turns into a game. It's a little bit like playing Legend of Zelda without realizing that you could use different buttons to access different powers. I think this is the closest I can come to a Jedi mind trick with making the world behave in a certain way. Have I used enough nerd analogies? Along the lines of finding opportunity in the unlikeliest of places, there comes a weird eagerness that I've seen in the best jujitsu practitioners who actively seek out the hardest opponents in training sessions. Perhaps we are all masochists that have been choked out too many times. Or perhaps we understand the value of using challenge to motivate and test ourselves to become better people. something about how like when you watch someone they fight and they're learning based on instinct and I thought that's really interesting because you're almost observing and breaking down what not even not their strengths and weaknesses but like their natural mode of operating and kind of where you want to guide them so how does that process start for somebody who might be studying with you great so all of us have what is called the instinct to survive and whatever situation we are put in doesn't mean to be like a Jesus once. Like any, you know, in life, you know, we all react or adapt or do it to survive. So it's the same way. And that way, that way of surviving is almost unique for each of us. I react in a different way in a situation that you may react. So that's why sometimes when you see a beginner sparring and they pull something good or bad, you know, it depends, you know. But then you can realize actually what is natural to that person. So, so it's very, it's very important to kind of guide whatever is natural to someone to to implement whatever techniques are proper to someone. So, and this is probably what makes jiu-jitsu and judo, you know, right because 
We face so much reality here. We don't pretend. making this reference to a deadlift. To do a deadlift with a big weight, you need to have a certain position. If you move your feet, let's say, one foot back, you cannot do the deadlift. Why? Because you don't have that leverage, you know? Moving your body to certain positions will give you leverage, will give you a way to overcome a bigger, uh, stronger up. The more you go in, and let's say, the more you train, the more you train, you find that you discover, like if before you were making like big adjustments, that you needed a, a lot of big, large adjustments, you know, as a beginner. When you go up in belt, you'll find out that a tiny bit of adjustments is going to make a, such a big difference. Your body at that point starts to be more relaxed than at the beginning. When you are like, you know, high level, you know, your body is more relaxed, tiny bit of, uh, you know, tiny bit of adjustment in the shoulders, a little bit on the hip, a little bit there in the knee, you know. Moving in a straight line, it's straight. There's no like Correct. deviation. Exactly. There's no it's exactly. This is another definition because it just pointed very well. There is a lot of deviation in spiral. And this is what we want to have. We want to have a lot of deviations that are hard for the other one to understand. Because that's the way to bring uh, the other one in a position where he's surprised. So the more deviation you have from the regular pattern, yes, the more deceiving you become, the more, you know, uh, in control you become. And that one make that one just guess, you know, it's not in control. From uh, what is that, uh, evolution or what's that? Yeah. Evolution, creativity, continuous uh, movement. Yeah. I just pulled this from the website. Yeah. So let's take uh, evolution. Okay. Evolution. Moving in a circle. Yeah. Circle starts in this point, goes around and stops in the same point. There is no evolution here, but going around, going, you know. So the point that will, will, will go into points that are new. Uh, so new, something that you find that new, you need to adapt, you need to evolve with it, you need to. So that's why it's basically a spiral. Evolution mm. is basically a spiral. No, because when in a circle that is closed, you walk the same pattern. No, you work the same pattern, the same point, there is nothing new. Oh, I've been here, yes, I've been here. I go a little bit more, I've been here, I've been here, no? But then you go in spiral, oh, something new here. Oh, I need to learn something, oh, I need to adapt, I need to know. So adaptation is also, you know, evolution, right? So, and in this way, the spiral is also a, a very good uh, symbol for evolution. Creativity is the same way, you know, being out of your regular pattern means you are exploring. Yeah, exploration is very, very important for being creative, no? Well, how do you get inspired? You gotta go outside of outside, wherever no? you are. You are. And I have a saying, it's like, there is no inspiration without exploration. So the more you explore, you know, the more you get to be inspired by something. Good, you hear, uh, you understand that concept, what you read, but you click stuff in your mind, it's something that translates into what you like to do. Like, I think you can tell a lot about a school from their values, their slogans and mottos and yes. stuff. The concept of instinct, like, obviously, Kogan Academy, there is, like, the the, the mythical creature okay. that embodies the school. So in what way does that, like, go into a student's development? Great. So let's say we have two creatures, you know, like, you know, Logos is one, the head of a wolf and the, uh, the body of a snake, you know, things. And... And we choose this based on, on the mythology that of the land that I'm coming from. And, and we found that, that wolves are very, very smart creatures. Yeah. We basically try to encourage being smart and being very agile. And we also like the concept of taking the back. Because the back, in, in, our, in our opinion, is the most dominant position that you can take. And usually wolves like to attack on the back. You know, we have this concept that back home, wolves attacking a deer with horns, big deer with horns. The horns are, are their weapon, basically. So when an animal comes closer to a deer, the deer tries to 
hit that one with their horns. So that's why a worm always goes to the pectoral at the back of the deer. So in this way, it's not in the way of the horns. So we translated this as the horns of the deer being like the guard. And what you try to do, you try to avoid that guard and go, you know, around. So uh, this is why, you know, we choose as the wolf. I come from a, from a land where, for example, Romania has the 50% of the wolves of the entire European population. Plus the snake, snake, you know, likes to know lower, lower, uh, to be lower. Same way you have positions in, in, in this way, you need to be really low, you need to go really deep, you need to go. Plus a snake won't attack somebody and, and swirl around, you know, goes around. And this is another thing in Jiu-Jitsu. You want to get as tight as possible when you hold the position that tight. You take a choke, I know that one is fighting the choke, but the more that one struggles, the more tighter you go. Because you get a little bit more adjustments in, in your grip or, or something, and you go there, and you get tighter and tighter. You know, it's like this snake, you know, that gets tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter, and it makes you less brief, you know? Like, you know, we're the same way. Any other position, any or submission, you know, the tighter you get, the better it is, you know? Because if, if you look at the beginners, when they fight, there's so much space. They make a step so much lateral that it's, oh, you know, it's, you know, we all, we all been there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, know I've seen my own tournament <laughs> footage, yes. So we will know. So that's it. But then you see that the higher you get in the belt, the less space you need to go. And the less, you know, things that means you get tighter and tighter and tighter. So what if someone comes in and they have a deer personality? How would you... How do we teach them? Yeah. Or how? Yeah. Well, we're going to transform the deer into a world. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, we're going to explain. I mean... This is the thing because everybody kind of associates a world with something like a bad guy or like a bad, you know, like negative things because whatever stories we had in our childhood, whatever, always the world is the bad. But if you look at the world behavior, you know, they are very smart creatures. They they are very economical. They don't waste. They don't, you know, waste. of course, they are animals. Like they are, if you look at a tiger, you know what a tiger does, you know, or like any other predator there or something, they have to survive somehow and forever for them to survive means they need to hunt another thing that we we choose the wolf and things is because they have a lot of endurance they like harsh environments you know they come they they walk 25 miles in their crazy winter cold okay and they don't have an issue with that now a bear for example goes into the cave and stays there the whole winter well of course a wolf cannot put up with the bear the bear is going to kill the wolf just as uh, from an endurance point of view Point of view, a wolf is very, very prepared to live be in a very harsh environment. And jiu-jitsu, you know, you see, you have to go for a lot of sparring, a lot of fighting, to to have a lot of, you know, endurance. So, and plus, you know, the wolves know that the preys are very vulnerable in harsh conditions. So that's when they go and hunt. So we picked up these elements, not like oh, being bad or being whatever. No, we're just being smart. We're trying to get, you know, as smart as we can. You know? And also smart, being also resilient. Because the wolf is also a symbol of resilience. They are very resilient. You know, they get hurt. They, as I said, they walk 25 miles easily in the winter, and the snow, and looking to hunt, so on. I thought it was really interesting when you said like getting leverage. So is leverage energy? You can say that leverage is energy, you know, it's from the energy conservation point of view. Mm. <laughs> okay. The more you, you get leverage, then you do you less strength you need to use. You can train for strength, but do not use strength. You know, we have this paradox. Yes, yeah, I, I train for strength, I go to the gym, I lift, I do whatever. But when you're on the mat, if you lose that, if you use that strength, but you don't use positioning, okay, you might win. But you get tired. So that's why being on the mat, right, look for position, look for leverage, look for technique, and not just being there, okay, I have a good base, I'm gonna just pull, I'm gonna push because I'm strong, I lift uh, this much, and I, you know, whatever. You see these people who are gym goers, they are very big. You see them on the mat, you know, they come as a beginner, and then they get beaten so badly, and they're like, you know, they're barely breathing, they barely, you know, whatever, what's, you know. And they sometimes, you know, they can hold it there, they can, you know, do that. But still, imagine that if they would know some technique, how good they would be, you know? Because sometimes, yes, strength is good to have. It's, you know, it protects you. 
you know, sometimes you go to gym and do lifting, you know, just as a therapeutical way to protect your joints and, you know, stabilize again and work on your proximals and so on. But no, this is the thing. When you're on the mat and do jiu-jitsu, it's very important that you switch from that mindset of strength, strengthening, to be more agile, more technical. You know, because a simple shift of your hips, you know, to right, left, or whatever, is going to give you so much more leverage than just trying to overpower the other one, you know, or, you know, moving a little bit to the left, right, wherever, is going to annihilate the other one's attack. Okay, let's take a technique. To apply that technique in a, in a normal situation, a drilling situation, you just need to know the mechanics of the technique. Okay, I pass this way, I take this angle, I pull this arm, you know, I bring this leg over and I do that. Okay, so that's what happens when we learn a technique. So a technique is very simple. Anyone can learn it. We can learn it from YouTube, we can learn it from, you know, any other platform that is out there. The hardest is getting the leverage. And this is, and especially why the jiu-jitsu, you know, it's called what you know, it's called the gentle way, the gentle technique or something. It's because, hey, you need to look for leverage in order to, you know, have the biggest result with the minimum effort. So I know it's difficult. That's, you know, a theoretical level. Everybody gets, you know, their arms blown and their neck, you know, cranked so, so many times until they kind of get to understand, yes, yeah, I should not force that way. I should, you know, tap. So basically, in a real fight, in a real sparring, for in order for you to be able to apply a technique, you need to bring the opponent into a position, you need to be in a certain angle that the other one doesn't have much control. It's 90% uh, leverage technicality and only 10% the technique based. How to get there, how to position yourself, how to, you know, which grips you take which way you move, which way you bring to, you bring the opponent, uh, which position you bring the opponent. So that's what is more important. And this is another, another concept that I put out there is, you know, alter the center, don't alter the periphery. Because, you know, you, you can feel a grip from the other one, but then that one goes back. You know how many times it happens, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, that one just give it to you and then you go back and, you know. So it don't alter much, you know. But then with your grips, if you alter a little bit the position, for example, the other one is on the back, you know, and brings you, you are in a spider guard, let's say, you know. I mean, the other one is holding you, you know, on a spider guard, but, and he's on the back, you know, he has the other control. But if you move the other one on the butt, for example, you bring him up, you know, the other one kind of doesn't have much control as he had before. So this is what altering the center, you're altering the position. And then from that position, you are able to pass maybe, you know, if the other one doesn't adjust. And, so this is the, the, the main the main struggle, getting the leverage, how you get the leverage, what technique you use to, to get you know that leverage. Beautiful. Everything else is simple. It's like in judo, <laughs> in judo you know, they have the, the concept of kuzushi, and every technique is very simple to apply after you apply kuzushi. If you don't apply kuzushi, the technique, uh, you know, it's, it's, you are prone to fail. You know, you go for the technique, you'll go reach there with a technique and the other one just pulls a little bit and you go down. Why? Because you didn't alter the other one's pace, you didn't alter the other one's position. You didn't bring the other one in a position, you know, where you have the maximum leverage. You know? So that's why I like. And it's very hard, sometimes it's very hard for the students to understand, you know, kuzushi, you know, which way to pull, why and why, and how to start the technique first with the kuzushi and why it's so important, not just trying to get that to the end result, you know. No, there is a lot of work until you get to that end result. And that part sometimes is boring, sometimes it's very strenuous, but that's how it goes. Yeah. So, and this is a lesson for everyone, like, across from any type of belt, you know, you find people struggling even on a black belt and so on. It's just, you know, sometimes we also go to the points where we are a little bit too instinctual, you know, and then we kind of forget about concepts, you know, basic concepts and stuff, and then we really learn it again. Mm. That's why it's so beautiful, because it always continues you to, it forces you to uh, continually learn, 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 learn. Leverage is energy conservation. Train for strength, but do not use strength. Look for position, leverage, and technique. Professor Victor. You can't push on a rope, 
Train to be swole, but don't flex about it. Tracy. One cool thing that I learned from the Mental Models podcast is that a submission is really just a position that can go no further because you've either accomplished your goal of breaking the joint or cutting off air blood flow, or because your opponent taps. Sometimes both, but the end result there is usually ugly. The idea of not using strength in jiu-jitsu is something my blue belt brain is still trying to wrap my head around. So far, I think I've realized that strength is used for a purpose. Using strength to lift someone off the mat and into the air using a good butterfly sweep is far more different than squeezing as hard as I can in a rear naked choke that isn't going to succeed. In my career as well, I've definitely been on the side of using too much at once. Working harder was the only way that I felt like I could distinguish myself. But as it turns out, that's not always sustainable. If during sparring one wins by overpowering the opponent and not by effortless submission, then they have missed the essence of jujitsu training. In training, winning by overpowering the opponent is actually losing. One can train for strength for injury prevention and stamina, but should not lose sight of the core of jujitsu. Train for strength, but learn how to not use it. Spiral Mentality Jiu-Jitsu And actually, I don't know if uh, Mark Twain said that or not, when uh, you have two moments in life, two, two big moments in life that happens. He said that the moment you are born and the second moment when you realize what you want to do. I think everyone will have a moment like this. Now, I don't know if everyone will have the, the environment, outside environment, the possibility to follow what his heart wants or her heart wants. And also if you also they need to have to be brave enough to follow, right? Because sometimes you find something that you like, and then you just, you know, oh, I don't know if my family wants me to do this. I don't know if uh, my society wants me to do this. I don't know if I will have enough strength. I don't know, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough whatever, you know, and also that restricts this way of following what your heart wants. My happiness, for example, I see happiness through creativity. Happiness can be different ways, different things for different people. I think creativity is probably our highest, highest quality that we can achieve. No matter what your age or your life path, whether making art is your career or your hobby or your dream, it is not too late or too egotistical or too selfish or too silly to work on your creativity. Julia Cameron, The Artist's Way, A Spiritual Path to Higher Creativity. I'm not sure how to write a conclusion to this particular episode because in a way there is no true end. The concepts that Professor Victor talks about here are concepts that anyone can relate to, black belt or not, grappler or not. Situational awareness. Quote, awareness is the active, continuous integration of signals into a larger context. What are we taking in the world and what are we putting out? Can we see things in all directions as opposed to a narrow point of view? Leverage technicality. Quote, one's grips, positioning, and transitions that can annihilate any attempt of the opponent to gain positional advantage, creating the opportunity to apply submissions with minimum effort. Can we use this as a way to deal with our own emotional problems and interpersonal challenges by moving with grace and intellect through the jungle of life? Breathing, quote, uncomfortable positions translate to uncomfortable breathing. Once uncomfortable breathing becomes comfortable, one knows how to breathe. What does this say when we are confronted with situations that we would typically label as negative experiences? How can we bravely take risks that eventually help us grow? 
positions as transitions. Quote, to really understand positions, it is important to view them not as static, but dynamic structures. Positioning is action. Nothing regarding human body is static, but in constant flux. Thus, positions are mere points in transitions. How does this relate to us becoming unstuck? What does it mean for how we maneuver ourselves through life and what goals we set for ourselves? Kazushi, quote, taking the opponent out of balance can have the mental effect of changing the opponent's mindset from attack to defense, from follower to driver. When the mind is out of balance, the body follows. It is not the body that fails, it is the mind. When we self-sabotage ourselves or put unnecessary pressure on ourselves, how are we taking ourselves out of balance? Could we look to flow with the supposed barriers in our life in a different way? I tell myself this daily, do not forget that jujitsu is a martial art. It is intricately connected to your sense of creativity, an inherent part of you. That warrior spirit or perhaps you can say that spiral mentality is something that no one can take away from you.